The Start On Demand. On demand. received an incredible email from listener Jamie, who a couple of weeks ago won a prize. She won tickets for Zoo Lights at Assiniboine Park. And she tells us about the experience that those tickets created for both her and her family. And it is so profound. We have to share it with you because it had a profound impact on us. We spoke to the food professor, Sylvain Charlebois, who says independent grocers are a dying breed. So we also got reaction from food fairs, Monther's Eve. And for our small town salute, we spoke to Golden West Radio President Lyndon Friesen, who is retiring after 45 years of serving small communities throughout the prairies. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, March 25th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and I just want to quickly mention this text message from Gary. He texts us every morning, sends us a picture as he's out taking his dog for a walk, and it's nice to see that this kind of stuff still happens. Gary says, I don't know, Lisa, but someone cares enough to embarrass her on her special day, and he's sent a picture of somebody has taken the time to put up a sign outside this Lisa's home that says, holy cow, you old bird, and only a few gray hairs, and hairs is spelled H-A-R-E-S. Happy 40th, Lisa. And then there are a number of of little, they've put up like cutouts of gray rabbits and pink flamingos <laughs> and little cows. Beautiful. I love I've that. I've actually seen a few things like that this year. In, you know, to be honest, my neighbor actually just turned 50 on Tuesday, and so his lawn was covered. Um, I I helped out putting up some of those signs, and I thought, maybe this is a good thing of this pandemic. We can't all get together, but we're really going all out with the decorations, because I know that used to be a thing years ago, right? The flamingos on the lawn or anything else, and maybe because we don't have any other options, we're getting we're getting more creative. I remember for my grandmother's 50th birthday yeah. that we, my mom rented one of those travel signs, you know, like you'd see at a grocery store <laughs> yeah. in the parking lot, gigantic parked it right in the front yard. And my grandparents lived in Vancouver at the time. So they, they came home and came to my uh, mom and uh, stepdad's house to this great big side, happy 50th mom and uh, happy anniversary. It was uh, absolutely fantastic with the blinking lights and everything so yeah that is uh, a wonderful way to honor somebody gary's the, gary's the best we it's gary's always the first one to text us this morning no so the morning isn't it's almost like we gary is our starting gun right well he also calls us smarters which i like <laughs> every single morning good morning smarters and i'm like thank you i don't know I kind of feel like it might be tongue-in-cheek, but I'll take it. Well, smart he, start? Yeah, the smart start. That's when it started. He started <laughs> homage to USA Today. Referring to us as the smart start, which airs on global television in Canada. Um, so, Gary, th- this actually kind of ties in with something we're going to be discussing today at 7.45. We want to share an incredible email that was sent to this radio station by listener Jamie, who a couple of weeks back won tickets to Zoo Lights, and she shared with us a story of how winning a couple of tickets had a profound impact on her and her family. So we just it was a 
it brought me to tears. It was an emotional and an important reminder that you know little things can have a massive impact, especially during this pandemic. Yeah, it was a very emotional and very eloquent note from Jamie, and it was cause for pause. I know I use that terminology an awful lot right now because I think we're looking for those reasons to just sit back and take a look and reevaluate where we're at and where we're going, Loren. But Jamie really just sort of encapsulated the reason why we do what we do every day. Well, it wasn't necessarily about winning the prize right like that was the impetus for how then the day unfolded for her and getting the prize and and where where that prize went and and all these little gestures that came along the way and so it wasn't about winning it was about just all well it's just a beautiful letter I can't put her words into words other than to say I thought afterwards wow that's an example of how we all have probably had moments along the way this yes last year where you think I'm not okay or now I am okay. Thank you. Because of that gesture, I am okay. Or the power of simple things that can make a huge difference. So to Gary, to us, the Smarters, and especially to Jamie, I can't wait until we share that letter. But I'll, yes, please share it with us, 780-6868, the little things that you may have done or someone has done for you that, that kind of changed the course of your day or week or maybe life. The cascading ramifications. <laughs> Of our actions, Brett McGarry. We will discuss that further at 6.45. And again, that email coming up at 7.45. You simply do not want to miss it. Did you miss the Jets game, which started at, what, 9.30 last night, Greg? I had it on all night. Paul Edmonds and Jamie Thomas in my ears all night. But I confess to not hearing very much of it at all. And I think I have discovered the key to the Winnipeg Jets' success. Don't have Greg Mackling watch the game on television, <laughs> yeah. and they oh, will no. win. <laughs> Don't go down that superstition street. It's hard not to, Loren, but I woke up just in time to hear Vancouver score their only goal of the game with just under a minute left, or was it just over a minute left, breaking Connor Hellebuck's back-to-back shutout bid. Uh, I'll say this. It seems as though the Jets are again finding their stride. Connor Hellebuck looks uh, outstanding, and yes, Loren, I know I have very little to do with it, but you can't help but wonder. Oh, no. I'm, I live in a house where I've been sent out of the house in case I influence a game. So don't worry. I get it very much how the superstitions play. I, I was curious. I, I'm seeing on Twitter this morning because is it Connor who scored the four goals? Uh, Andrew Cop. Or Cop. Sorry. Thank you. I knew it was a C. Um, I was thinking C for the dollar bills, the C note. Did, some, did someone win $100,000 as a result of those four goals? Absolutely, they did. Yeah, the yeah. as it Save on Foods has that contest. Five goals gets a million, but uh, I'll take the, a hundo. The, the hundo thousand. thousands, not a bad a little thousand. consolation prize, right? Wow. Yeah, so uh, not bad at all. Right now, we want to ask the question: Loren, are independent grocers dying? Yeah, and anecdotally, as you maybe drive around Winnipeg or your town or your community, you might say the answer is obvious, that the consensus to that question would be yes. But how dramatically it's happening and is it a bad thing are questions that we should probably probably take to an expert, Greg, not just you, Mir, or Brett. Yeah, well, fortunately for us, Sylvain Charlebois, the food professor, is joining us this morning on The Start from Dalhousie University in Halifax. Good morning, Sylvain. Good morning. So the first question I think is sort of a moot point. The answer is yes. Uh, you tell us, you're telling us independent grocers are dying. You can tell us at, at what rate it's happening. Um, 
to what extent uh, should this be a concern? Well, it is. I, I think Canadians should be concerned because uh, a lot of the innovation that we've seen in, in food retail uh, over the last few decades uh, came from independence. We don't really realize it as consumers as we walk into a grocery store. It's hard to know uh, if the store you walk in is actually independently owned and managed, unless you ask, or if it's meant if it's actually announced on the. Uh, on the front of the building, but uh, what's happening right now is that uh, many independents are either being acquired or they're just they just closed because they can't compete. Uh, here, here's what's going on. First of all, margins are, are are slim in the business, but they're actually getting slimmer. Uh, national grocers, the major players like Loblaw and Sobeys and Walmart and Costco. Uh, they basically sell about 83% of all the food we, we buy retail. And 10 years ago, it was below 75. So you can see that the nationals are really taking over the market. And those guys, those players are what we call bullying the supply chain. They're charging fees to, to suppliers like Unilever, Procter & Gamble to, to, for shelf space, in-store merchandising, and even uh, capital investments uh, to support the building of distribution centers and things like that. But the smaller, the independents can't do that. They don't have the power. And so they either say, well, we'll close or we sell out. And that's what happened with Longo's and Farm Boy in Ontario recently. So we're talking about the fact that there's just more purchasing power, I would think, with those big chains, Sylvain, that the independent grocer cannot go to the Unilevers or to the General Mills or whatever with the same uh, ability to buy the same bulk as those big guys. That's right. Now, uh, keep in mind, the independents are actually represented by a... um, an outlet called UGI, United Grocer Incorporated. They actually uh, they serve as agents and they negotiate. They buy for about forty billion dollars worth of food, and they buy the food. All the food you find at Dollarama, um, uh, all the convenience stores, uh, metro uh, co-op stores. They they often deal with UGI to get a better deal, but it's impossible to get better deals than say if you're Loblaw or Sobeys. Is there room for localized, personalized neighborhood food stores? Well, actually, uh, you, you guys booked an interview uh, yesterday for this morning, but I, I have some good news for you. <laughs> if you actually look at uh, news lines this morning, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's an announcement coming out of Sobeys this morning announcing that there is going to be a code of practice in the industry in Canada similar to what we actually find in the U.K. and Australia. So, in other words, what's going to happen is that suppliers and Sobeys, Sobeys is the only grocer that signed on, uh, will have to comply to this code of practice. So no more last-minute fees, no more abusive fees um, uh, or fees that are not justified. Uh, there's going to have to be some negotiations. And over in the U.K., they had the same problem a few years ago, and over the last decade, they've actually uh, implemented a code of practice. It's been working very well for both uh, processors and, of course, independents, because independents uh, can rely on this benchmark between Sobeys now and manufacturers. So it's, it's actually good news for independents this morning. Maybe people may not link like Sobeys and manufacturing with independents, but 
the relationship, a good relationship between Sobeys and manufacturers will actually help independent grocers. Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, Professor, Senior Director of Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University, the food professor, joining us live on CJOB. Sylvain, thank you as always, sir. Take care. Bye-bye. And after Global News at 8.30 with Jeff Braun, Munther Zeed of Food Fair will join us to discuss his family business and their role in the community, their success, and the challenges they face. And while we've got him, we'll have to ask him the question on should he be able to sell wine? And we got to talk turkey because apparently there is a turkey shortage. Right now we want to talk about simple acts with profound impacts. At 7.45, we're going to read an email from Jamie. She emailed the radio station after winning a couple of tickets for Zoo Lights at Assiniboine Park and the effect that it ended up having on her and her family was just amazing. So we simply have to share this email. But we're going to use that in the meantime as a springboard for a conversation on just that, how simple acts can have a profound impact on somebody. So at 204-780-6868, we want you to text us an example of something small you did that had a profound effect on someone or tell us something small that someone did for you that had a profound impact on you. And, of course, we have a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza up for grabs. We'll give it away after 9.15. Cam Poitras is here. Jeff Forte. Jeff Braun is here, the Altona Avenger. Jeff, uh, why don't we start with you, sir? Braun. Um, years and years ago, an old colleague of ours, I don't know, I must have been complaining about a bad date I'd been on, and I was just like, oh, I'm sick of it. And she just said, if you don't play the game, and it's just like the simplest little piece of advice, and it's stuck in my head constantly. And whenever I, you know, you go through these stretches where it's like, oh my God, I just can't bear to try to go out and meet somebody again. Uh, I would think of that, and it would just sort of keep me going and keep me going, and it finally paid off. I met the, you know, my long-term girlfriend almost four years ago now, and I think of that moment often. And I've, I emailed her. I said, look, you don't remember this, but like 15 years ago, you just, you know, snorted this out in the. <laughs> At, the, at work one day without even thinking about it and it actually made a difference in my life and it's a it's a great piece of advice i i give it i say it to people all the time about a very variety of different things just it's it's true you can't win if you don't play the game well what other instances would it be like uh, oh man i wish i could find uh, the, the the right brand of tomato paste at the grocery <laughs> store but they never have it you absolutely can, you got to play the game to find that tomato paste <laughs> try them all <laughs> Uh, I, I don't shop for tomato paste. It was the first thing that popped into mind. <laughs> Loren's clove of garlic example was yeah. far w- more wonderful. Loren, what about you? Well, this is, you know, I, I think you're, there's so many examples of someone just asking how you're doing or how you're feeling or shaking your hand or even making eye contact. Like the little things go a long way. Um, for me, one of the things that stood out when you brought this up, though, this morning was um, I was working in Toronto in the mid-2000s, 2007, I think it was, and my grandma was sick and in hospital, and my producer at the time knew how close I was to her, but also just to my family in general and all the stories I had about her. And so, quite frankly, she she wasn't going to make it, and I was at work that day. It was a Saturday, and I had to work this odd weekend shift, and he called and said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm working, and he said, no, you're not. And I said, yes, I am. I have a story to file today. And he said, no, you, your grandma's in hospital. Go back to Winnipeg. And I said, well, I've already looked at flights. I won't get there until X time. And I think it'll just be too late. And he said, I've looked at flights. I'm going to drive you to London and you're going to get on a plane and you're going to go home. And whether you're there or not, 
you're going to be there. And so I didn't get home in quite in time, but I got to the hospital in time to at least see her there and be with my family. And I always want to his name is Mark Blanchard, and he's the guy who, who got that in that moment, just getting home to be with family, whether it was to actually get there in time, would make all the difference in the world. And so to me, the, the recognition to just say, what are you doing? Get, get going. Um, I always think that now when people are having hard, their hard days, you know, you don't need to always be at work. And that was basically what he was saying. And I'm so forever grateful that I made that trip home when I did. That's uh, that's touching, Loren. Thank you for sharing that. Cam, do you want to follow that? Yeah. Um, you know, I was working in Calgary, and uh, it, it, he works for a, a competing, uh, well, one of our competitors, I guess maybe not so much anymore, but uh, Craig Button would come in, and he would come and do uh, little uh, hockey chats with uh, what was um, the CHQR sports show. And, uh, and obviously he kind of walks in the room, and one of the guys I'd followed my entire career and uh, before he would, before he would go into the into the booth with uh, with with Mark and Jock, uh, he would sit there and just watch hockey with me, and just talk about what was going on. And he knew I was a big Jets fan, so we we talk about the Jets. And him just taking that time and, and being such a big name and such a great broadcaster, um, really was was really life changing for me. And him just kind of. Uh, again, taking the time just to sit there and talk to just this kid that's working evening news in, in Calgary um, just to talk hockey with him was, was, was changing, was, was, was life-changing for me and, and my career. And I hope one day I'll have the stones to, to say that to him. But, uh, yeah, that was I, – I always think about that and, and how important that was to me that he would just sit there and watch a hockey game with me and tell me what was going on. Sometimes he'd give me a little bit of behind-the-scenes info. But, uh, yeah, just – just great. I, I really appreciate that. He did that for me. Mackling? Uh, I'm just going to flip it just a tiny bit. It was a gift that I got um, that was born out of a bad day I was having. I was at a subway at uh, in Osborne Village, River in Osborne, and it was a freezing cold day. I was going through a really difficult time in my life, and quite frankly, I was on my way to a therapist appointment to sit down and try and sort out some of the things that were going on in my life. It's almost, Josh, it's almost 20 years ago now. And this gentleman was panhandling inside the subway, and my first thought was, man, you know, I just want to sit down and eat a sandwich. And, 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 and getting bothered inside the subway. And I took a deep breath, and, and that's not really at the core who I am. And so I went over to the guy, and I asked him if he liked, uh, liked Coke or not and what his favorite sandwich was. And instead of getting a 6-inch sandwich, I got a 12-inch, and I got him a cup, and I got him a Coke, and I had a Coke, and we had a meal and he shared with me the, his difficulties in life and why he was where he was at in his life. And then I noticed that he didn't have any mitts. And on the way out of the door together, I handed him my mitts. And he said something to me that I will carry with me forever. And just that whole notion that I was having a bad day, I had no idea what a bad day was until I sat down with that gentleman. 
Tell us about, give us an example of something small, something simple that had a profound impact on your life or maybe vice versa. Maybe you did something that you thought was no big deal and it turned out to be a big deal. Jeff Fortier, we didn't have time to get to you in our uh, initial segment just before seven o'clock, but did you have a story, young man? Well, for me, it's my neighbors. I have the best neighbors. And this morning I, uh, I'm leaving my apartment. I open up my door to go out to the hallway and something startled me. It was hanging on my door handle and it's, uh, baked goods, you know. It gives me a little pep in my step to start the day. It just, uh, you know, it makes me feel really, really good. And they do this all the time. There's a couple of them uh, in on my uh, floor who uh, bake me things or make me even a full meal. It's, uh, you know, it's super, super kind, especially like when I hurt my arm there. My neighbor Shirley across the hall she brought me, what was it, roast beef, mashed potatoes. Aww. Just, like, so nice. And Shirley. Shirley and uh, Brian and, oh, I'm blanking here. Uh, just just make yeah. up a name for them. <laughs> That's what I do with my neighbors. If I don't know their names, I just I just make up a name for them. Like Zamfir or something like that? Zamfir. Or Zoltan? <laughs> That's the, Zoltan. That's the that's the the fortune teller from Big that made Tom Hanks big, right? That's right. Yeah. No, I had I had a I had a I have a neighbor who for six months I thought his name was one thing when it was actually another. So uh, that's, that's still a joke in our house. That's so sweet, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. And also at How the lucky. time of day you start to have that left for you, it just sort of gets things going, right? And so your whole day is set by that. It's the same way you might just go through a drive-through and you have a really nice. Um, salesperson working there and they smile or all those, it's just the little things, yeah, the, man. The simple things. And like me and Brett were talking yesterday, I don't know if it's the weather, but I don't know, it's feeling a little uh, cloudy, you know, just feeling mm-hmm. a little down. Uh, but, you know, that just really put a pep in my step. Now, did you eat those baked goods already? And did the guys get to partake? I had not seen these baked goods. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Are they in the building for it, Jay? No, no, they're on my table. Sure, <laughs> sure they are. <laughs> he ran them back inside. He's like, I can't bring these to work. Mackling and McGarry are going to steal them from me. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Question of the day at cjob.com. Brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. We are upon another COVID-impacted spring break. What have you got planned this year? And so far at cjob.com, this question went up yesterday afternoon. 8% say, going to take a staycation. 5% say, I'm traveling and then isolating. And 87% say, nothing. Still no point. Cast your vote, cjob.com. We'll get a new question up for you later this morning. Right now we want to talk about how close to 25%, 25% of COVID-19 hospital stays in this country Included a trip to the ICU. Yeah, and here in Manitoba, Brett, the proportion of patients who later died in hospital after that admission to the ICU was actually higher here than anywhere else in the country. And that stat is just one of many findings in a new report out this morning by the Canadian Institute for Health Information, or CAIHI for short. Uh, It recently looked at data from January to November of last year. And not only did it look into outcomes in terms of how Manitobans fared, but the impact on patients from different neighbourhoods, the length of stay, and then, of course, the cost, Greg. 
Michael Hunt is Kai High's Director of Spending, Primary Care, and Strategic Initiatives, and he joins us now on The Start. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. Let's start in Manitoba. Loren briefly touched on the death rate in Manitoba once patients were admitted to the ICU. Can you expand a little bit on what you learned and how that compares to the rest of Canada? Sure. Uh, We can talk a little bit about that. I think, you know, overall, um, I I mean, the the pros, the progress of a patient as they come in through hospitals and the hospital admission, uh, it, you can really map it out in the numbers. Unfortunately, the numbers don't talk specifically about the people. Um, they're fairly sterile as you go through. But we do know that if a patient um, is elderly, uh, is at higher risk with a comorbid condition, so if they have diabetes or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, they're at significantly more risk of, unfortunately, an intensive care stay, uh, in hospital after they arrive at the hospital and going on to perhaps succumbing to the disease. Um, certainly the numbers in Manitoba suggest that uh, the death rate in the facility is a little bit higher than the national average um, and that's quite likely uh, because of the types and severity of disease that's presented to the hospital environment. Yeah, in Manitoba, 40.1% of admissions to intensive care later died in the hospital. National figure is 30.1%. We also understand there were also different outcomes based on the neighborhoods people came from. Uh, can you explain that? Sure. We we do. We are able to look at, at neighborhoods, sort of geographic neighborhoods, and in those neighborhoods we know that some of those with more challenges in terms of socio-demographic needs for health care. Um, and we do know that the clients who come from those neighborhoods or those or those regions um, often present uh, with significant disease, and it, it's quite likely due to the fact that there's more comor- comorbid disease within uh, those neighborhoods or locations. The other thing you have to think about is that oftentimes folks who who reside in those neighborhoods are the people who have to go out to work every day. They don't have the opportunity um, to work from home. They use public transport. Uh, perhaps lived in more crowded conditions than some other areas within the country. So they're actually exposed to the disease more often. So we see them more often coming to the hospital. um, And when they present to the hospital, they may actually have those greater risk factors for more severe disease. Yeah, the numbers show that those le- the lower affluent neighborhoods, they accounted for the highest number and percentage of COVID-19 hospitalizations. And so as you pointed out, you know, there, there are people and faces and names behind all these numbers, but it's the numbers that we are looking at as we go forward for what we maybe learn from this, but also how we will pay for this. Because at the end of the day, there's the cost to lives, there's the cost to stress on staff, but there's just also the overall cost to these hospitalizations. What did we see in Manitoba for the the price tag on hospitalizations for COVID-19, Michael? Yeah, so what so what we're really seeing, a price tag for Manitoba is around almost $17 million so far, keeping in mind that we've covered just the, really the first two waves here. We're still, we're still dealing with uh, the pandemic and hopefully can have an impact on that with vaccination. And, you know, we encourage everyone to be vaccinated. I think... You know, overall in the country, we're looking currently now about $317 million, and that's hospitalization specific. This does not actually give us a look at, you know, those unintended consequences, those who three-quarters of all patients who end up in emergency departments are actually discharged home. There's a cost. They need to be looked after as well. Uh, we can focus ourselves on this report on hospitalizations and emergency departments 
Um, but there is a bigger cost to the to the whole pandemic, and and we're going to see some of those in the upcoming budgets, I believe. Sorry, Michael, before we let you go, you know, when we talk, look at these numbers, what's still missing in your minds of what we need to try to determine uh, as we move into a potential third wave? Well, it's hard to predict the third wave. Um, I think, though, what you do see in these statistics is that hospitals are going to play uh, a very important role in, in managing uh, those clients who actually have uh, COVID-19. Um, it means we're better prepared. Um, we certainly have an idea of the equipment and the skill sets and, uh, you know, ventilator capacity, ICU capacity to manage going forward. So we're in a much better shape than we were when this all started a year ago. Um, and the plan forward uh, would, uh, you know, we can base it on learnings from now. Um, and I think, you know, as we look forward to our work, we want to make sure that we're able to capture this as the waves go through and understand what what actually was the impact? Why do people come to hospital? Why do they get disease? And what was the impact of vaccination going forward? Michael Hunt is the Director of Spending, Primary Care and Strategic Initiatives with the Canadian Institute for Health Information, joining us live on CJOB. Michael, thank you very much for the time. Thank you and have a nice day. Small Town Salute, and this morning's Small Town Salute is a salute to a man whose life work has had a tremendous impact on small towns across our country. With 75 years under our belt here at CJOB, we know what radio means to so many of you. We were founded with the goal to serve the community, to be the voice of Winnipeg, and if Local stories are important to Winnipeggers and Manitobans. It stands to reason that this holds true in smaller communities across our country. Our guest this morning on Small Town Salute has been helping facilitate local conversations across Canada for 45 years, Loren. And Greg, over the course of his career, he's served as Vice Chair of Radio on the board of the Canadian Association of Broadcasters. He's past president of the Western Association of Broadcasters. He was inducted into the Canadian Association of Broadcasters Hall of Fame in 2009. And we were so, we are so pleased to say good morning to Lyndon Friesen. Good morning, Lyndon. Good morning. We're, we're bringing you on because we've learned you're officially retiring as president of Golden West Broadcasting after 45 years with the company. I, I want to say congratulations to you, but really I think this is about celebrating all you've done and thanking you for what you and radio has done for your community. Uh, tell us, take us back. Why radio in the first place? What drew you to it? Well, you know, I I stumbled into radio. I was just basically looking to find any kind of sales career that would uh, that would uh, keep me going in Steinbeck uh, when I ra- when I ran into the folks that ran the radio station and and uh, and they hired me. Uh, you know, I'm not sure I would have hired me back then but they did so i felt very fortunate and uh, now it's 45 years later why is local radio so important in your mind well you know first of all it's 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 connecting small communities uh, we operate only in small communities on the prairies and in these small communities mostly mostly are ignored they're not ignored but you know, unless there's a significant event, uh, whether it's a disaster or some kind of crisis, uh, you know, most of they're largely ignored by news organizations uh, in the larger cities. And so since we surround the local, the, the major cities, 
we just we, we just knew that local news, local information matters as much in the rural communities and maybe more uh, than it did in the big cities. And so, uh, you know, our first radio station, of course, was over 65 years ago in Altona. Altona was probably 3,000 people. When I started in Stuyvesant, I think we were probably five or 6,000 people. So hardly big enough to have a radio station, but even more necessary than everywhere else. And so, uh, you know, just sharing the local stories, connecting communities is what we brand ourselves, but it's really what we do. We try to connect people with each other and tell the stories locally. And so that's, I think, what's uh, what's made it uh, happen. The, the other thing is that we saw it really help communities grow. You know, if we said, you know, we didn't go look for, you know, really hard news. What we'd wanted to do is reflect what was happening in the community. And so if you do that, boy, uh, it, it worked. Uh, it, it worked well. What is it that you love so much about small town Manitoba overall, Lyndon? Well, you know, it's the it's the people. It, it's always the people. You know, we live in small communities where we kind of know most people. Uh, you know, that's not true in Steinbeck anymore, where I live, uh, because we've we've grown so much. But uh, but it's the people. Uh, you know, one of the things that we did to help uh, communities, we only hired local people. So, if you weren't from Portage La Prairie, <laughs> we didn't really want to hire anybody from out of town unless we really needed to uh, because they knew the stories of the local people and and and, and they could make that connection you know, creating local celebrities and doing those things and so th- those are the things that we thought were important that would help small communities and that's what i love uh, just helping our communities kind of grow and reflect the stories that uh, that are happening here so the career, you're retiring, Lyndon. I'm, I'm curious what you're looking forward to next, and maybe if you wouldn't mind answering as well, what you might miss from, from leaving now. It's a long, rich career, and sometimes it is hard to walk away. Well, it has been, it's been very interesting. You know, I must have received three or 400 phone calls and emails and, and texts from people across the country because, uh, uh, you know, I served on many boards in our industry across the country, and so I... I've been able to, and plus we we had stations in in Ontario for a long time, but now we're we're just on the prairies. But it's the small towns and the people; uh, those are the things that I think I'll miss. It's just been it's not been a day of work uh, doing what I do. Uh, it's just been fun talking to people and helping people across the prairies for 45 years, and so it's been so much fun. That's what I'll miss. Uh, but what I'm going to like is uh, watching the the uh, you know we've we've been able to groom a a whole uh, bunch of great, young, energetic uh, people that'll take it just to a whole new level. So that's what gives me joy. Uh, and now, I don't know, I think I'm going to go and play with my uh, my classic cars and fix those and, and go to the lake and uh, hopefully do some travel and, of course, uh, hang out with my new grandson. Lyndon Friesen, officially retiring as president of Golden West Broadcasting after 45 years. Lyndon, congratulations and thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. It's been great. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we got an email yesterday from a listener that we want to share with you because it was an important reminder just how profoundly even the little things that we do for each other can have just such a massive impact on someone's life, especially, Greg, during this pandemic. Yeah, I concur, Brett. On Wednesday, March 10th, we were giving away tickets 
for zoo lights at Assiniboine Park. The topic was the weird, funny, awkward places where we've fallen asleep. Jamie won the contest, and yesterday she sent our promotions team an email about how appreciative she was, and we'll share that with you in a moment, Loren. First, here's the text that Jamie sent us March 10th that won the contest. It goes, 30 years ago as a student, I was a regular heading out to U of M, and about seven times in a row, I kept hearing a great big bang every three minutes or so. I looked around as it seemed others were acknowledging to me that they heard the noise too. Finally, on the biggest bang, the bus driver, as he was plowing down Pemina, yells out, who is making that noise? Please stop. The girl behind me taps me on the shoulder and said to me, I think, by the way, how sweet of her to put it so unaccusingly when she witnessed the truth, I think you are falling asleep and every time you do, your head hits the window. There's then a big bang on the window. I laughed, a little embarrassed. I apologized to the bus driver and everyone else. They smiled. I guess being a single mom working a job and trying to go to school is just a little tiring because I did keep falling asleep. The bus driver who knew me was the same driver I had at that time for three years. Well, the next day he brought me a pillow that his wife had made. Wow, I you know that that story is fantastic, and Jamie, uh, how articulate and how vividly you shared that story. I felt like I was on the bus with you. I think uh, most of our listeners felt that way. And then it was it's sort of interesting, Brett, that at the very end there, there is that small act of kindness from the driver bringing a pillow for Jamie. That dovetails so nicely into our overall conversation ignited by Jamie's kind words from yesterday. And here is the email that Kristen from our promotions team got and then forwarded to us from Jamie. Dearest Kristen, Jamie here. I had won tickets based on my craziest place you've fallen asleep story. Headbanger on the bus. Given there's just me, I passed on my tickets for Zoo Lights to my son's young family to enjoy. Well, last night they called on speakerphone after attending, and my granddaughter, four years old, chirped in, Oh, Grandma, I loved the apple tree. Thank you for giving us the tickets. During COVID, I have been pretty lonely, and my hands tied to spoil them, and it has broken my heart. Perhaps you don't realize just what a ministry Besides a job, you all do. Did you even think that perhaps the one who won the pizza that day might not have eaten unless they won that? For me, the whole experience gave, one, an intimate contact right in my home when contact wasn't allowed in person. Two, an opportunity to share an experience from my past and not only having been heard, like friends laughing on the couch together, you made me feel like a little part of the world and by having it shared on the air. Three, just telling a fun story, and then having a jolt of unexpected surprise when I heard it read as winner, not considering that result for a second, really lifted my spirits. And four, you gave me a gift that was all the better to share with my kids. Money has been tight for a while, and wanting to do something special for them, you in turn gave me a night I was a hero to my little granddaughter, and appreciated by my family. This might all seem silly, but your radio program and radio station helped inoculate me against the loneliness I didn't realize I was feeling so deeply in this time of waiting for another vaccine against another potentially dangerous virus, COVID. It sounds perhaps overblown, 
But through this gift, I realized when tears came so suddenly, though silently, when I heard my granddaughter's love and thanks, that we must all be careful to guard our hearts in this time of aloneness, because without realizing it, COVID can make you unwell in more ways than one, and you might not even notice. So thanks again for the gift of you guys and your radio show that you give us every day. Ever grateful, Jamie. And Jamie, thank you for this profound gift you have given us. We needed to share this. If you are just tuning in, in our last half hour, we read an email from listener Jamie after she won some tickets for Zoo Lights for Assiniboine Park. She won them back on March 10th, and she gave the tickets to her son and her son's young family, and her grandchildren had a great time, and she sent an email to her promotions team just to say thank you, but uh, her thank you was so much more than that, and she expanded on how these tickets helped her have a moment with her family that she hasn't really been able to have during this pandemic and it made her feel like a hero and it was just incredibly moving and it moved me to tears when I first read it sitting on my couch yesterday and I struggled to read it live on the air and it moved me to tears there as well. And that's sort of one of the things we're talking about today, the, the simple acts that have profound impacts. And that's the subject of uh, the Santa Lucia pizza gift card that we're giving away at 915. Got a text us a story at 204-780-6868. But Loren, I see uh, all kinds of uh, thoughtful reaction to what Jamie had to say. Yeah, I think it really hit home for many people. There was a line for me that when she, she wrote to say that when her granddaughter called to say thanks, the tears came suddenly and silently, and she realized that we must all be careful to guard our hearts in this time of loneliness because without realizing it, COVID can make you well in more than ways than one. And I, I love the way she said, guard your heart. And so there's all sorts of feedback coming in from listeners saying, thank you, Jamie, for reading that. Uh, amen to that inspiring letter. Uh, you know, just the idea that it's true. I think it resonates with many people because, Greg, personally, I can say there's been several points in the last year and, of course, before that, where you suddenly have that moment and you think, uh-oh, I'm crying. Why am I crying? Maybe I'm not okay. And then you also have those moments of levity, which are so important, too. Like the laughter is really is the best medicine through all of this. Well, I think we try to find that amongst ourselves uh, in what we're doing. We're surrounded by this news each and every day, all day, it seems. And if you're finding a little bit of a levity and a little bit of a release and a relief with the way we bring that to you, then that's our gift is having you in our lives. Uh, that's why we do this. It's, it's, uh, for me, this is about connecting with people. It's always been that. And sharing your stories with us, it, I find it's far more impactful than us sharing our stories. As much as we love to share our own, we just are blown away when you share yours with us and that intimate relationship that we have with you is mind-blowing. It's it's the essence of, of CJOB, and I don't want to turn this into a commercial, Brett McGarry, but really at the end of the day, when we sit back and take stock of what we've done, 
if we've impacted, it's that whole notion of talking to one person at a time. And we've connected with Jamie on that level. And her story has had a profound impact on our listeners this morning. That's what we aim to do. And we apologize for everybody going into meetings this morning. I know Jen said uh, uh, she's on her way into a meeting this morning. And uh, I suspect that uh, she might have some makeup running down her face that she might have to touch up. But we apologize for that, but not really. Yeah, she's Darlene about to say, thank you for all you do. Now quit it. Every time I think my makeup is done, you make me cry. So yeah, I get it. I think, but, but we, when we're talking about the little things, you know, they can, there's all sorts of grand gestures we can make, but uh, how far does a, how's your day going go, Brett? I remember uh, it was New Year's Eve. This was back when CJOB was still across the street. It was still at 930 Portage. So that right across the street was a liquor mart. And it was New Year's Eve. I finished my shift. I guess it was around 5, 5.30 p.m. So I wandered across the street and I got in one of the seven lineups that were to the back of the store uh, to get my supplies for the evening and when i got to the cashier he just looked so defeated right i mean and it didn't it, it it was just a busy day the the onslaught of customers on new year's eve has got to be a harrowing experience at the lc so i just looked at him and said do i dare ask you how are you and he stopped and he took a deep breath and he smiled and he he rang me through and he said thank you he shook my hand wished me a happy new year and then he said to the next customer hello there how are you and he just his whole demeanor changed and i was kind of wondering like should i say anything do i dare ask this guy i don't want him to think i'm being uh, sarcastic somehow or, or flippant and uh so it was a good reminder as well to me to just take that extra second yeah. to greet somebody when you can or, or if it's a thank you on the way out of the grocery store. So please feel free to continue to weigh in at 204-780-6868. We will continue to share your stories through the morning right here on The Start. And before we bring in our next guest, I just want to read this text from Crystal. We're asking you to tell us a story about something small and simple that had a profound impact on your life. And this one's interesting and unique because it sort of shaped the way that she now handles things when she travels. Crystal says, I now always take a picture of my hotel room number because of this story of when I stayed in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand with my boyfriend. I was there for a photography convention and my boyfriend flew down during the convention to join me. So I switched hotels to his room. After I finished the convention for the day, we planned to meet at dinner, but he never showed up. He wasn't answering his phone. I got so worried. I thought I should check up on him in the room, but I forgot the room number. Oh boy. And the front desk wouldn't give it to me since my name wasn't on the reservation. Mm-hmm. So they had security escort me to his room. I had to wait down the hall. He wouldn't answer the door, so security opened it. Turns out he was just asleep. So ever since then, I take a picture of the room number, especially in Vegas where the hotels are massive. If you've never been to Las Vegas, those hotels are cavernous, especially the MGM Grand. If you are in your room and you want to get to the street, it takes like 10 minutes just to get out of that building. It's a city within a city in a lot of cases. So uh, thanks for that piece of advice. I'm going to uh, try and remember that next time I'm there. Yeah, that's a good one. It's just like when you're in a massive parking lot and you take a picture of... 
<laughs> of uh, whatever, you know, if you're in D4, what do they do in Ikea? Don't they have animals or something? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. I bumped into someone in the Home Depot parking lot just the other day, and she was looking for her car. <laughs> I was looking for mine. She said, I once left a concert early at the Winnipeg Arena, only to have to wait until everyone left <laughs> to find my car. And I said, I did the same thing at a baseball game in Kansas City once with my family late at night in the dark. We could not find the van and press the panic button and it wouldn't beep. And yeah, it was an unmitigated disaster. All right. So keep those texts coming. <laughs> 204-780-6868 for your chance to win the $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. In the meantime, we want to ask you the question, where do you get your groceries? During the pandemic, the answer to that question may have changed for you. Generally speaking, where do you purchase food for your household? Is it a mix of national retailers? Maybe you had a big box warehouse to buy in bulk or buy the day or meal at a local store and our independent grocery stores in that mix. According to the research we shared earlier this morning, Brett, independent grocery stores are disappearing across Canada. Munthazid and his family run five food fair locations across our city. And Munther, I would say that rumors of your demise have been potentially greatly exaggerated. Good to have you on the show with us this morning. Good morning. How are you? Doing very well. So what's your reaction to that? We visited with the food professor, Sylvain Charlebois, this morning. He says the neighborhood or independent grocers dying in our country. You are the example, I would say, of the opposite. But I'm guessing you face some challenges. What can you What can you tell us? Well, um, it is a struggle out there. I mean, uh, the more independent stores we have, the stronger we are. Um, but uh, currently, the current suppliers, which are which are our competition, are fair with us. I, I can't really complain too much about them. Uh, they treat us fairly. They supply us. I mean, there's always some good, some bad, but mostly good. Um, so yeah, moving forward uh, for us, at least, uh, we're looking forward to it. What is it that your customers like about the options you provide? Well, you can get in and out of the store quickly. Uh, we don't have. We have the what we believe the best of the best. Uh, we don't have like 20 different sizes of mustard. We may have three for you to choose from for most categories. So uh, when you're in, you can get in and out pretty fast. Service, we don't charge for bags. We bag groceries. We carry them out. Um, so we, we provide a little bit extra. Uh, we get to know our customers uh, by name uh, before they swipe a card. Um, so, I mean, it's more of a community home feeling. What's the advantage there? Because there's got to be a a trade-off for folks in terms of, uh, you know, you mentioned, yeah, we might not have all the things you're looking for, but people, it seems, and I've spent lots of time in your stores doing promotions and, and as a, as a consumer, that trade-off seems to be just fine with so many people. Well, it's not that we don't, we have almost everything that you need. We might not have every single variety, every single brand name, but we do have practically everything you need. Uh, Service is the biggest thing. I mean, prices are prices today. There's really not much price difference between stores. Uh, We do a better job, I believe, in our meat department and our produce. Uh, Groceries are groceries. I mean, again, uh, there's really not much price difference. Everybody has their weekly specials, and people like that extra service. So, uh, with the way prices are going nowadays, the prices seem to be going up and up everywhere. Uh, the only difference is service, and people want to be served and taken care of. And 
they want to be able to go into a place where they can get in and out quickly, feel comfortable, and be known. You know, Munther, you raised a really great point when you talked about that we don't have like 75 different sizes of mustard because that's one of the things that I find, depending on the item I'm looking for, uh, if I'm overwhelmed by options, I sometimes get paralyzed and can't decide which one is the best option. And especially when I want to get in and get out, like just even get out of the way, if I'm trying to figure out, do I want 300 millimeters or 500 milliliters? Or do I want 12 rolls of toilet paper? Or do I want 36? What's the best value? So to, to have sort of a, a narrower range can make that decision much easier for one shopping. Very true. I mean, uh, the more you offer, the harder it is to shop. Um, but uh, if you offer just some uh, the main sizes, the most popular selling sizes, uh, people are happy and uh, they're on their way. I mean, nowadays everything's rush, 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 go, go, go. So um, everybody wants to be in and out quickly because they have other things to do. We heard through the grapevine that uh, turkeys might be difficult to come by this Easter. True or false? Very true. Uh, we always put ads out. We put signs up around the store saying, order your turkey and ham. We did not do this this year at uh, Easter because uh, all the main turkey suppliers inform- informed us uh, practically back in January that they'll have no turkeys. And up until now, uh, one of the main suppliers here, Granny's, has told us they're not doing any type of turkey producing till after Easter. And as far as we've got, also got to ask you about liquor. Uh, the province is looking at expanding the number of places you can pick up a, things like a bottle of wine. Is this something you'd like to see as an option for your stores? Well, we've always said no. We're a traditional uh, grocery store. Uh, our family really does not drink at all. Um, we encourage our kids uh, also not to drink. Um, so, but this is business. If our, if our community says, Hey, we'd like to have that option at our community store, it's something we'll look at. I mean, you never know what tomorrow holds, but, uh, being a businessman entrepreneur, it interests me if they're planning to give up, uh, some of the liquor stores, <laughs> that might be an option to look at. So we'll see. Munther Zeed, always a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for what you do in the community and we appreciate the access and, uh, always answering our questions openly and honestly. It's uh, greatly appreciated. Thank you. Have a great day. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, simple acts with profound impacts. We read an email just after 745 from listener Jamie that she told a story about how something simple had a huge impact on her and her family. And in turn, when she sent us that email, it had a huge impact on us. So we had to make sure that we shared that with you. And it has created our conversation today. Tell us about something simple that somebody did for you that had a huge impact on somebody, or maybe you did something for someone else that you thought was just kind of simple and it turned out to be so much more. Uh, so we've got time to read two. Greg's got the winner. Loren. I don't know how to pick a runner-up, so I left that to you. I know you did, and I actually had a decision, and then I've changed my mind, and I've gone back and forth. So I will read the one that just says runner-up because I just read what's on the prompter, Brett. Uh, This comes from Giselle, and she wrote to say, A few years ago, we had our friend come over and help build a gazebo for our backyard. It had been sitting in a box for a while as I had been dealing with my sick father. 
sick father who then passed away. Our friend called one day shortly after and said, I'm coming over to help build this gazebo as I know it will bring you some happiness. It was gloomy and drizzly day, but he, along with my husband and young boys, put it together. I will never forget, as some people will say, let me know if there's anything we can do. He didn't wait. He just said, I'm coming over. I since try to do the same for people. I never say, let me know if there's anything you can do. I just do it. Either make some food for someone going through a hard time or do an anonymous drop-off of treats, wine, or flowers. I always think, what would I like if I was in their place? I guess you learn from your own experiences. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's amazing, Giselle. Thank you so much. Uh, hard to pick just one, Greg, but uh, as we say, there can be only one. So what have you got for us? I got this via email, in fact, and it goes back to 1996. 86. And it goes this way. My father passed away and I was helping my mom clean out my dad's closet. I asked mom if I could go through some of dad's clothes. So I picked out six different pairs of pants, shirts, a bunch of his warmer socks, one jacket, and one dress jacket. I'd met a man down on his luck and would see him downtown a lot. Every once in a while, I would buy him lunch. After I packed up my dad's stuff, I went looking for him. I found him close to the bay. His name was Jeffrey. I took him out for lunch and presented the bag of clothes. The tears just flowed. He couldn't believe what I'd done. I thought of him in such a trying time for myself and my family. His story was pretty sad. He lost his job because of a nervous breakdown. Then his wife and family dumped him and he ended up on the street. He was a very articulate man and tried to keep himself as presentable as possible under his circumstances. He was in his 50s then, so I'm sure he's no longer with us. I lost track of him after a while. However, I will never forget the conversations we had over those lunches. Congratulations. $20 gift card, San Lucia Pizza. Greg will get your details and pass them along to Mr. Fortier. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.